And now please join me in prayer. Gracious Lord, as we turn to the scriptures, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to find help in our time of need. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea as in a bottle. He put the deeps in storehouses. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsels of the Lord stand forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When a swimmer is caught in a riptide off Huntington Beach, his entire vocabulary shrinks to a single word, help. A stricken ship off the California coast radios out a single word, mayday, mayday, the maritime synonym for help. A lost hiker will gather stones in an open clearing, and he uses those stones to spell H-E-L-P, where a plane or a copter can easily see them. And then, when the lifeguard plunges into the surf, and when the Coast Guard approaches the stricken vessel, and when the copter hovers over the hiker, 
the five most welcome words in any language are, help is on the way. The Hebrew word for help is etzer. You will find it in the well-beloved Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help, my etzer, come? My etzer, my help, comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And it's in today's text. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our etzer, our help and shield. The psalmist also pens this promise, the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May he send you etzer, help from the sanctuary, and give you support from Zion. The writers of Scripture are not too proud to ask for help, and they know where to go to get it, from our etzer giving God. Carol and I watch the film The Preacher's Wife every December before Christmas. It's really all about God's promise to send help from his sanctuary. The Reverend Henry Biggs, played by Courtney Vance, and his wife Julia, played by Whitney Houston, are drawing apart. And the mother-in-law's gratuitous advice isn't helping things. Their six-year-old son, their six-year-old son's best friend, has just been shipped to an orphanage 50 miles away, and the little boy is grieving. He misses him mightily. The membership at St. Matthew's Baptist Church is shrinking, and the offering plates are getting lighter and lighter. The church building itself is under threat threat of demolition by the man who owns the mortgage. Now, he's a trustee of the church, but he never attends, and now he wants to build a shopping mall on the site. While the choir is practicing for the Christmas service, the ancient boiler in the basement blows its top, scattering sopranos, altos, tenors, and basses out into the snowy night. And then... Just before Christmas, the Reverend Biggs drives to the police station to intercede for a, for a teenager accused of a robbery he did not commit. His efforts are futile. The boy goes to jail, and a discouraged Biggs returns to his aging car, and when he gets there, it won't start. Well, that's the last straw. And Biggs looks up and prays, Lord, if you're really up there, I could use some help right now. Suddenly there's a tapping at the passenger window. He looks over, rolls the window down, and, and, and there is standing a man dressed all in gray with a huge smile on his face. Biggs says, look, all I want right now is to put my key in the ignition and the engine starts. Ding, says the man in gray. Oh, I, I, I suppose you think you. Who are you, really? My name is Dudley, and 
I'm an angel. I beg your pardon? Uh, an angel, you know, like in the Bible? Oh, of course, the angel Dudley. That must be in the part of the Bible that got lost. <laughs> well, the angel Dudley, a.k.a. Denzel Washington, has been sent in response to Biggs' cry for help. He quickly becomes entangled in the sticky web of St. Matthew's Church, and sometimes with hilarious, but ultimately with healing results. But that's just a movie, isn't it? Fantasy, make-believe. You've never met an angel, let alone one that started your car or fixed your flat tire. Yes, but what about those crisis moments when, when help appeared out of nowhere? You were painted in a corner, and suddenly a path opened up, a bridge over troubled waters, an etzer, an answer to a prayer that you hadn't even prayed. Could that not have been God's messenger, God's Dudley, sent to you in your moment of deepest need? It's happened to me again and again and again in my life. From the age of 14, I felt called to the ministry, and I, I knew that that would require a lot of education, and so I began saving my money for college. But then, during my senior year in high school, I heard Billy Graham predict that Jesus would return within five years. The second coming, the end of history as we know it, within five years. And who can you believe if not Billy Graham? And so I thought to myself, I have one year to go in high school, and then four years in college, five years. Why bother spending all that time and money to earn degrees preparing for a ministry that I would never be able to perform? Believe it or not, I proceeded to spend my college savings on my car and my girlfriend until my pastor got a hold of me and drummed some sense into my head. Unfortunately, by that time, most of my savings were gone. So after graduating from high school, I went to work on an estate in one of Santa Barbara's wealthiest neighborhoods, hoping to save enough money to be able to go to college next year. But then, just one week before the fall term was to begin, the owner of that estate invited me into her home. She said, Tom, I understand that you want to be a minister. I said, yes. She said, well, I, I have helped doctors and lawyers and educators and business leaders with their education. I have never had the privilege of helping a minister 
whereupon she handed me a check for five hundred dollars. In, in today's economy, that check would be worth more than five thousand dollars. Seven days later, I moved into a dorm at what is now Azusa Pacific University. Coincidence? Maybe. But the co, the C-O in coincidence means with. So a coincidence is an incident with. But with what? With whom? For me, back in 1951, it was an incident with God. An event in which one of God's angels was a wealthy woman from Pittsburgh who spent her winters in Florida and her summers in Santa Barbara and who helped a young man who didn't deserve it by giving him, a, giving him a check that sent him to college on time. And I'm betting that if you look back on your life, you will spot your own coincidences, moments when you got an answer even to prayers that you did not pray. Ah, you say, I did pray. I prayed and the heavens were like brass. There was no tap on the window. There was no angelic messenger. There was no answer to my cry. It's happening all over the world right now as COVID-19 continues its rampage across the globe. People pray and their loved ones die. Or people pray and the diagnosis comes back, cancer, ALS, heart disease. And so we echo the psalmist, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? And we cry with Job, why do you hide your face and count me your enemy? And we pray with Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? More ink has been spilled on the question of undeserved suffering than perhaps any other enigma in the entire realm of theology. It's called theodicy the attempt to justify God in a world filled with suffering and pain. In a recent issue of Christian Century, Thomas Lynch writes, Our theodicies are comfortless, their vindications hollow. In other words, there is no satisfying answer to the problem of pain. And so I'm not going to solve that mystery in the next ten minutes let alone in a sermon as long as the book of Job. But even Job found that why is a dead-end street. So perhaps we need to change the question to shift from why to what then? From wringing our hands over the origin of pain to opening ourselves to the question, how will I respond to my pain. 
Jennifer Bricker did just that. Jennifer was born without legs. She had a torso, arms, hands, a head, no legs. And she was abandoned on the day of her birth. Now Jennifer could have spent her life blaming her parents, blaming God, endlessly asking why, why, why. But when Gerald and Sharon Bricker adopted her, they told her that there was one word that she could never say, the word can't, C-A-N-T. And that meant that she could not look back, but only ahead. Not for the cause of her disability, the why, but only at the possibilities that lay before her. In other words, to what end? Well, Jennifer decided that she wanted to become a tumbler, like her idol Olympic champion Dominique Mozziano. So at the age of seven, without legs, remember, she began tumbling on the backyard trampoline, making flips. And by the time she was in high school, she was the champion tumbler in the entire state of Illinois. When she was 16, she asked her mother what her birth name was. Are you ready for this? Her birth name was Moziano. Turns out she was the younger sister, without knowing it, of her childhood idol, Dominique Moziano. You see, for Jennifer, the Brickers were stand-ins for the angel Dudley. And that's how it is most of the time. God's help arrives in the form of a person, someone like the Brickers, someone like the owner of that estate in Santa Barbara. That's precisely what happened in the, uh, in the creation story. In Genesis 2, Adam is all alone as he struggles to manage God's creation. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. A helper. The word is etzer. So you see, God's answer to your prayer for help may well be your spouse or a neighbor, a colleague at work, a doctor, a teacher who takes an interest in you, like Francis Lernan, my fourth grade teacher, who spotted a bashful ten-year-old and went to work to wean me out of my shyness. I would not be standing in front of you today had it not been for her coaching, her training, her encouragement. I owe her so much. Many years later, I was greeting people after the uh, worship service at Fletcher Hills Presbyterian Church in El Cajon. And while I was shaking hands, a tall octogenarian stepped up and asked me, are you by any chance the Tommy Erickson who went to Hope School in Santa Barbara? I said, yes. She said, I'm 
Francis Learned. Folks, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I was speechless. I was, I was dumbstruck. I, I, I think I thanked her for all that she had done for me, for all that she had meant to me and has meant to me across the years, but I'm, I'm not sure what I said. But think of that. Among the hundreds of fourth graders she had taught in a career spanning 40 years, she had reserved a spot in her memory for a shy 10-year-old, now a Presbyterian pastor. Well, that's the kind of person she was. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who had a spot in her memory. Scores, scores whom she had helped. Frances Learned was God's etzer. She was God's Dudley when I needed help and I didn't even know it. Is there a Francis Learned in your life? An Etzer who will listen, who will care, who will hold your hand? If not, look for a confidant, someone you can trust, someone to whom you can look for God's help. There is a Dudley out there. God's messenger, just waiting to say, help is on the way. And you may be that person. You may be that helper, that exer. Last week in my morning devotions, I ran across Proverbs 2.27, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Your hand is God's hand for that person. So dare to be a Dudley. Dare to be God's hand for someone who needs God's help. Oh, by the way, by the time the movie ends, the landlord, the landlord decides not to raise St. Matthew's Church. Instead, he forgives the mortgage. Biggs and his wife are reconciled, and they adopt their little boy's best friend just in time for Christmas. At the Christmas service, Whitney Houston, the preacher's wife, sings a hymn as only a black Baptist can. I love the Lord who heard my cry and pitied every groan. Long as I live and troubles rise, I'll hasten to God's throne. I love the Lord who heard my cry and chased my grief away. Oh, let my heart no more despair while I have breath to pray. Don't be too proud to cry out for help. Take Hebrews 4.16 seriously. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You don't have to pray like a preacher. Just say, Lord, I need some help right now. And then be on the lookout for the angel Dudley.